Well, hi everyone. Uh, welcome, Eugene. Uh, this is a re-recording of our uh, message this morning. We had a few technical difficulties with our uh, internet connection for the live stream. So I just decided I'll, I'll record the message again and then we'll upload this uh, so that you can actually go through it in your own time. Uh, there are some study notes that were emailed out to you if you're a part of New Gen City Church and you're welcome just to follow along in those notes. But let's just uh, open in a word of prayer and just welcome the Lord just to come and speak to our hearts. Father, we come before you this morning and uh, we just want to welcome you to come and speak into our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit and uh, I pray for your revelation as I speak. I pray that you would reveal the truth to everyone who's listening. And I pray that you would speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. So this morning's message uh, is entitled, Christian Giving is an Act of Grace. And I want to continue speaking on the topic of finances. Uh, last week I spoke about the importance of how we as Christians handle our money. And I spoke about two levels of wealth. First of all, there's the material or physical level of wealth, which is actually the lower level. And then there is spiritual wealth, which is the higher level. But interestingly, the Bible says that the way we handle our material wealth has a lot to do with how much spiritual wealth we're going to have. Now, I've heard Christians say, well, uh, when I serve God, I don't really serve God for a reward. And uh, that sounds very noble, but I actually won't, I believe that it's actually not the right attitude for Christians to have. I believe it's a sinful attitude, and I'll show you why. Uh, first of all, it's a command of Jesus to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So it's a command of Jesus. He doesn't want us just to sit back and not receive any kind of reward, but he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, not only that, but part of our reward in heaven are the people that we impact with the gospel, that we see brought into the family of God, that will actually welcome us into heaven. And so if our reward are people, then for us to say, well, I don't want a reward, we're basically saying to the Lord, I'm not interested in seeing people uh, come into heaven and live in eternity with me. And so that's really uh, not, the, not the right uh, attitude that we should have as Christians. Now, I know that's not your heart. I know that you do want to see people saved, and I know that you want to see people brought into uh, eternal life with you. But I want to show you this morning that it's actually a tactic of the devil uh, to, to use a kind of a false humility in our lives to say, well, I, I don't really serve God for a reward. It's, it's the devil trying to make you ineffective. Uh, Jesus wants us to have a reward, and not only that, but part of that reward is the people that we're going to see uh, saved and added into the kingdom of God. The other thing is that fruitfulness brings glory to God. And so really, when we're talking about receiving a reward for ourselves, it actually brings glory to God. It's not just a selfish thing. Uh, we see this in the way that Paul lives his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 and 18, Paul says this, he says, 
for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that are, we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. And so Paul had his eyes fixed on this eternal weight of glory. And again he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 and 26, he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. See, Paul is saying, it's not just about we're in the race, run to win the race. And then he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. And that's really the attitude that we should have as Christians. We should run to win and we should run with purpose in every step. And so that if, if that's you this morning and you're just listening to this and you realize, oh, actually, I'm one of those that has said, look, I don't do this for a reward. Just come before the Lord and repent before him. Just say, Lord, I've said these things. I realize now that it was a mistake. I'm repenting of that. I'm asking you to change my language to change my heart because I do want to see you glorified. I want, to, I want to see the biggest reward that I can get in heaven because I want to see people in heaven with me. Okay, so this morning I'm going to continue to look at this topic of Christian uh, finances and in particular I want to look at giving, the act of giving as a Christian. But I'm going to teach it in a way that you may not have heard of uh, in a way that you may not have heard before and that's because I want to teach it from the aspect of grace. Christian giving is an act of grace. There is a, a lot of teaching on the topic of money in the church that's actually legalism but, but when you look at the Bible it's all about grace. We're living in the new covenant now which is a covenant of grace and so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul is speaking to the church about financial giving. And uh, I want to read to you just the first two verses. I'm going to read it from the ESV because it uses the word grace. There are, normally we preach from the NLT, but the NLT actually interprets the word grace to God's favor uh, because it's an easier to read version. Nothing wrong with the NLT. It's a great translation. But I want to use the ESV in this particular verse because it uses the word grace. And so it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 1 and 2. Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overwhelmed overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. It's very interesting to me that Paul here is teaching two chapters on giving, but he starts off with saying, the first thing I want you to know is about the grace of God. See, the rest of the world don't deal with their finances in this way. People, people who are not Christians can be generous, but they don't start from a place of the grace of God. That's why I specifically chose this title, Christian giving is an act of God's grace. 
And that's really my first point. Christian giving starts with the grace of God. It's not based on commandments. It's by grace through faith. Romans 1 verse 17 says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus never came to bring another legal system. He didn't come to add uh, a whole other legal system uh, to, to what the, the believers had. But he came to bring something totally different, and the Bible calls it grace. The thing with grace is that grace is free. Grace cannot be earned. Grace operates only through faith. There's no other way to receive grace other than through faith. It's become very popular for Christians to say, well, I'm under grace, but, but I wonder if they really understand uh, what they are talking about. See, grace comes through faith. If there's no faith, there's no grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 uh, says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Even the faith that we receive for salvation is a gift of God. Now, salvation is a package deal. It's far more than just having your sins forgiven. It includes things like healing, uh, being set free, the provision of God, all that kind of thing is encompassed in the salvation that God gives to us. And this verse, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, is actually written in what's called the perfect tense in, Greece, in, in Greek. So Greek has this tense. We have past tense, present tense, all that. But Greek has a perfect tense. And perfect tense just means something that happened, an action that happened in the past, is still having an effect, an ongoing effect in our lives today. It's still outworking right now. So it's correct to say, yes, I, I was saved or I have been saved. But actually what this verse is saying is that salvation is still at work in our lives right now. Right this very second, salvation, God's powerful salvation is at work in your life right now. Isn't that wonderful? So, as I continue to speak about uh, how we deal with our money, keep in mind that I'm not giving you a series of commandments here. That's not my intention, is to say, well, you should be doing this, and as a Christian, this is what it means to give. Uh, I'm not giving you a set of commandments. I'm actually trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to work through what I'm saying, and that He is going to lead you, He's going to speak to you in your heart, and you can follow him. That's what it means to be under grace. That's how grace works. And that's how faith works. It's trusting God. It's following the Lord. It's believing what he says. And that brings me to the second point. And I just want to talk a little bit about the difference between living under law and living under grace. It's very important that we understand this, particularly when it comes to the way we deal with money. Because the way Christians deal with money is absolutely foreign to the way the world deals with money. You know, I've heard a lot of uh, people preach on the topic of money. And really what they're doing is they're taking a whole lot of financial principles and bringing them before Christians and adding a few scriptures in. But it doesn't involve the grace of God. And Christian giving needs to start 
with the grace of God. Commandments are something that are written externally, written on tablets of stone or something that we read with our eyes. But grace is something internal where the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. And uh, the Holy Spirit is actually the only one who can impart grace into our lives. I can't impart grace into your lives. No one else can. Only the Holy Spirit can impart the grace of God into our lives. That's why I'm not, gonna, I'm not telling you to do anything. What I'd like you to do is just to take these scriptures, meditate on them, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you regarding them. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, Clearly, you are a letter from Christ, showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is not written with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, that's the law, but on human hearts. That's where God speaks. He writes His Word onto our hearts. In the Old Covenant, the commandments of God were written externally on tablets of stone. But under grace, the Holy Spirit, and under the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit writes the commandments of God onto our hearts. And that's what motivates us. And that's why the Bible says our hearts are so important that we've got to guard our hearts. Solomon wrote this hundreds of years earlier in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. He said, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. In other versions it says, your heart is the wellspring of life. Everything flows out of your heart. In fact, the Bible says, even your mouth speaks out of the overflow of your heart. So guard your heart. And the wonderful thing about the new covenant is that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and he works directly on our heart. He unites himself with our spirit. And, he, and so we are changed from the inside out. See, when you're under grace, Sorry, let me give you an example of being under law and being under grace. Let's say, for instance, you're under law. You read a commandment. Let's just take a random commandment. You shall not murder. Okay, you read that and you think, oh, I mustn't murder. So, so you make an intellectual decision not to murder and then you apply your will to that and you stop yourself from doing that. Now, when you're under grace, it's very different. You read that command, but the Holy Spirit speaks to you in your heart, writes that command on your heart, and actually changes you with the nature of God so that you don't want to do that, that act of murder. It's, the difference is, is that when you're under law, you're trying to do things in your own strength. You're making decisions. I must do this. I mustn't do that. When you're under grace, you are relying on God. You're relying on the Holy Spirit to lead you. You're letting Him lead. You're yielding to Him and allowing Him to be your strength, your source, your leader. You're setting the direction of your life. It's totally different to living under law. Under the old covenant, God's laws were written on tablets of stone. Under the new covenant, God's laws are written on our hearts. The common thing is, is that the laws of God are not the problem. I see many Christians 
throwing out the laws of God like they're some kind of a problem, like they're evil. The problem is not with God's law. In fact, Paul says that in the book of Romans. He says the law is holy. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is, is our carnal nature. We can't rely on that to lead us because it's always going to do the wrong thing. It's going to fail when it comes to walking in the ways of God. The only way we can do it is by being led by the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. That's why he sent the Spirit to be our guide, to be our helper, so that we can live under grace. And he empowers us. It's not only does he lead us, he empowers us to live in the way that God wants us to happen, wants us to live. And, and what happens is the change happens from the inside out, not from the outside in. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I being led by my carnal nature or am I being led by the Spirit of God? Romans 8 verse 14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. See, that's what living under grace uh, is all about. Law relies on self. Grace relies on the Holy Spirit. And when God's grace comes into your life, into your heart, the Holy Spirit will direct your heart how to handle your money in the way that God wants you to handle it. That's the difference. This is how we manage our finances under grace. This is why Paul says the starting point of Christian giving is the grace of God. God speaks to us in our hearts. When we hear his voice, we obey him. We allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. That's how we are to handle our finances as a Christian. The third point is this, is that grace enables us to live supernaturally. And as a sub-point to that, I could say grace enables us to give supernaturally. When you live under grace, you live a supernatural life because your source is the resources of God. It's not your own pocket. It's not your own wallet. It's whatever God makes available to you. That's your source. And God has infinite resources. Amen. When you're under law, your source is whatever you've got within yourself, within your own ability. It's the finite amount in your wallet, in your bank account or whatever when it, when it comes to finances. You see, when you're under law, you look at your wallet and you go, oh, I can't do it. When you're under grace, you look at God and go, well, it can be done because God can provide. Maybe there's 5,000 people that are before you that need to be fed. Or when you look at, when you look under law, you look at the resources you've got, you look at the food you've got, and you go, there's no ways I can feed 5,000 people. When you're under grace, you bring what you have to the Lord, and the next thing, a miracle happens. That's the difference between living under law and living under grace. Now, it worries some people. It worries some pastors, in fact. When you start preaching on the grace of God, and you start teaching that Christian giving is an act of grace because people worry and say, well, people can then turn around and go, well, the Holy Spirit only led me to give one dollar. What do I do then? I'm under grace, you know, I just only do what the Holy Spirit tells me. But I want to say this, is that a, a Christian under law will never outgive a Christian under grace. And the reason is, is because the Christian under grace has the resources of God 
to draw from. A Christian under law only has very limited resources. And the other thing is that our carnal nature is stingy. It's, it's not generous, but the Holy Spirit is a generous God. And so when we're led by a generous God, we will be generous. When we try and do things in our own strength and in our own nature, we're going to end up being stingy. We're going to end up going, I've only got $10, so therefore I can only afford to give so much money. When we're under grace and the Holy Spirit is leading us, we can give whatever He leads us to give because it's by faith. We trust Him. We, we trust God that He knows what He's doing. He knows my needs. He's going to take care of that. But on top of that, I can give whatever He's leading me to give. That's the difference. James 1 verse 5 says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. So we see it there. God is a generous God. And people who are being led by the Holy Spirit can never be stingy. No one can be stingy and say, oh, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not the Holy Spirit the Bible speaks about. God, the Holy Spirit, is generous. If you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will never be stingy. Now, you might be really struggling in your finances. In fact, right now, you might be feeling condemned. And I don't want you to feel condemned at all. Let me suggest to you, stop trying to follow a set of rules and start allowing the grace of God to operate in your life, in your heart, and see what happens. Try and be led by the Holy Spirit. Just come to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, lead me in this. What do you want me to do? And step out in faith and see what God does in your life. The fourth and final point is this, is that the grace of God provides abundance in our lives. When God pours out His grace, when He pours out His provision, it's always in abundance. It's never just enough, but He always gives more than what we need. I've already said that God is a generous God. God's grace provides not just enough, but because of His generosity, He provides abundance. I spoke a little bit about that, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. You can read it in the Bible for yourself. But the interesting thing is that that little boy brought his lunch to Jesus, and Jesus did, didn't just multiply that food to feed the 5,000. At the end of it, there were 12 basketfuls of, uh, basketful, uh, basket loads of food left over. So in other words, God provided abundantly. He fed the 5,000 and there was more left over to give to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's abundance. Notice, how does God provide? He generously provides. Let me read that same scripture to you from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. This scripture shows us the incredible, overflowing provision of God's grace in our lives. 
But notice that it's not for selfish reasons. It's not God provides abundance so that I can just have more and more and more. It's so that we can share with others. He supplies everything that we need, but he gives abundantly so that we have more than what we need so that we can share the abundance with others. You see, Jesus said this in the, in, in the scriptures. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So there's, there's two levels of blessing. There's the blessing of giving and there's the blessing of receiving. The blessing of receiving is the lower level of God's blessing. The blessing of giving is the higher level of God's blessing because Jesus said it's more blessed to give. So if you're just receiving from God everything that you need, that's wonderful, but you need to know that you're only living on the lower level of blessing. It's more blessed to give. And when God gives, when you tap into the resources of God, you're under grace, you're receiving from the Lord, you're being led by the Holy Spirit, He always gives abundance so that you have more than what you need. So the, the, the key thing is, when it comes to Christian giving, make sure you don't just consume all of what God gives you, because then you're consuming the abundance that you should be giving uh, to other people. And then you're going to live in the lower form of blessing, which is just receiving all your, all your needs. And that's just called sufficiency. If you need $20 and God gives you $20, $20 all you have is sufficient to meet your needs. But when God gives, He provides abundance. So He might give $30. So you have 20 for your needs and you have 10 to give to others. Because of God's grace, He makes it possible for all of us, in some measure or other, some more than others, that's okay, but He makes it possible for all of us to go beyond just receiving and to give from our overflow towards the needs of others. I really hope that this message has helped you to understand how Christian giving works. Not a set of commandments, it's it's allowing God to speak to us, to speak into our hearts, and then we respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how we live in the new covenant. That's how we live under grace. God bless you.